ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to you today about UFOs. And the reason that I want to talk about UFOs is back in the end of 2019, Donald Trump signed into law the coronavirus relief bill. And in that bill, a group of legislatures inserted something called the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021. Now, the reason that I'm bringing that up now is because part of that bill was a demand request, I'm not sure what you would call it, that the U.S. government release any information that they have on UFOs. Uh, Now, there was no set date for this to occur, um, and it actually was released on Friday. Now, I was kind of looking forward to seeing what would be in this report. I wasn't expecting a whole lot. You know, it seems like when I was a kid, UFOs were a big deal. And then there was about two decades where you never really heard much about UFOs. And here recently, there's been a big surge in UFO sightings and leaked videos. And and I don't know if maybe, maybe it's because it's just not something that you think about in your teens and through your 20s. Or if it was just the fact that in my 20s and early 30s, I had young children, and that took up more than 100% of my time, and I just wasn't paying attention. But it seems like UFOs have had a big resurgence. They're, they're more in the zeitgeist now than they have been in a long time. We're getting some interesting videos that aren't coming from some crackpot with a shaky, blurry camera, but we're getting videos from nose cameras on military jets and... Uh, military personnel taking video off of ships out in the ocean. And these videos, they're usually not fantastic quality, but they're much better than what you used to see on the old TV shows that would be hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Plus the fact that these are coming from military personnel who you would assume is familiar with what kind of aircraft we have, what kind of aircraft the enemy might have, and know that they're looking at something really unusual. Now the... Provision in the bill, obviously, was that anything that was not considered vital to national security would need to be released, but that gives them a lot of wiggle room in what they could and could not release. And the report that did come out was pretty much what I was expecting. Uh, There are a couple of interesting things in the report. Nothing, no smoking gun, you know, they didn't say that they have alien corpses at Area 51 or anything like that. But we did get a little bit more than what we got when Geraldo opened Al Capone's locker, or the vault, I'm sorry. Um, If you weren't alive when that was going on, that was a big deal to middle school Jay. Geraldo's going to open Al Capone's vault. I mean, my God, there could be anything in there. It might be filled with cash. There might be bodies in there. I mean, we were, it was the talk of the school for like two weeks leading up to this show. and, And then they opened it up and... You know, if you'd stopped and thought about it, we found exactly what we should have expected. You know, Al Capone didn't die suddenly in a car crash or get gunned down by an assassin. He died from syphilis. He had a long time leading up to his death knowing that he was going to die. So obviously you would liquidate any of your assets that you didn't want to be found. And, you know, you don't purchase a vault and forget about it. If you buy a huge bank vault and install it in a building, you're getting it for a reason and you're going to know what's in there. So I'm sure Al Capone did keep things in that vault at some time, but as, as he was leading up to his death... I'm sure he was setting his affairs in order and cleaning out that vault was probably high on the priority list. But basically what the 
report from the government, and by the way, one little side note, they don't call them UFOs. In the report, they keep referring to unidentified aerial phenomenon. You couldn't just say UFO, U.S. government. I mean, that's what we've called them for 70 years at this point. Everybody knows what a UFO is. If you'd have just said UFO, we'd all been on the same page. And you know it's some bureaucrat sitting in a little cubicle somewhere at the Pentagon that thought that up and just felt like that the government report needed to have a different name for it. That's probably all the work he got done that entire year. But basically the summation of the report is... Uh, yes, we are seeing odd things. We don't know what they are. Now, on the surface, it's a little disappointing because you wanted to hear that, you know, we've tracked craft coming into and out of the atmosphere, but we've never been able to establish contact, something along those lines. But if you stop and think about it, them saying that they don't know what they are is a little bit of an admission because you feel like even with the secrecy of different governments and you know, having clandestine labs and trying to come up with secret technology to be used as a weapon if they're attacked or if they decide to attack, I feel like that our intelligence community should have at least a little bit of a handle on what countries are capable of and what they can expect out of like an unmanned drone or a new aircraft to say that they have no idea what these things might be and they're displaying capabilities that are way beyond what we can do, to me, that's kind of an admission that, that these may be extraterrestrial in origin. And like I say, a lot of the latest UFO videos that come from the military themselves, I've got an excerpt here from, it's from The Guardian in uh, Britain. It's an article about the release of this information from the U.S. government. And they were speaking to a retired U.S. Navy pilot. Members of the U.S. Navy have seen UAP, UAPs frequently. Ryan Graves, a retired pilot, told 60 Minutes that pilots saw UAPs in restricted airspace southeast of Virginia Beach every day in 2014. Every day for at least a couple of years, Graves said. Now, I have recently vacationed in Virginia Beach, and there is a military air base right there around Virginia Beach. I don't know if it's an Air Force base or a Navy base, but the hotel that we were staying at was sort of in the middle of the boardwalk in Virginia Beach, and they were fighter jets coming over in pairs probably once every 10 minutes, all day long, every day we were there. So if there is any kind of UFO activity going on in that area, it's definitely going to get spotted by a military pilot because they're in the air a lot. And it's not one or two planes. They have got 30 or 40 planes out at any given time, I would assume. Uh, that also would beg the question, if it was aliens gathering intel on humans, that doesn't seem like the best place to put your secret alien invasion base because you're going to get spotted coming in and out of the hangar all the time. But again, this is a military pilot. Again, you would expect him to be able to recognize what an aircraft is if it's something that humans are capable of building. I mean, these guys are trained, these men and women are trained to recognize friendly aircraft, enemy aircraft. Uh, they're also mentally stable enough that the military will allow them to operate a $100 million fighter jet. So you would think that these are people that if they say, I have no clue what that is, you know, it was doing things that an aircraft shouldn't be able to do, we should pay a little more attention to that. It seems like they instantly get relegated to the 
tinfoil hat wearing nut jobs that you see TV shows on the History Channel about. And just a little full disclosure, I do watch Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. I really enjoy that show. I don't agree with everything that they say, but a lot of the stuff they talk about is very interesting. Even if you don't believe that aliens came from outer space 5,000 years ago and helped start human civilization, there's things there. And, and I don't really believe that that happened myself, but it is really fascinating. These things that we uncover from 7,000 years ago that you just really think, you know, how in the world could early humans have accomplished that? It, there has to be something that they were doing that we have no clue about, that they were able to cut stone so precisely. I just find it really interesting. I'm not completely on the bandwagon, but there's a lot of things from our ancient history that, that we simply are not even close to being able to explain how or why these things happened. And again, I don't necessarily agree with most of what they say, but it is a lot of fun to watch. And just to hear how many times in a show they'll say, ancient astronaut theorists say yes. But here are my beliefs on alien life. The Milky Way galaxy, astronomers estimate, has about 400 trillion stars in it. Now, not every star will have planets around them, and not every star is going to have planets in what is termed the habitable zone. Uh, sometimes they also call it the Goldilocks zone because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. But even if only one planet or one star out of a million has a planet in the habitable zone around it. That would mean that in the Milky Way galaxy, there are over 400,000 planets capable of supporting life. I doubt very seriously that only one star out of a million has a planet that falls inside that habitable zone. And that's just what we consider a habitable zone. We are constantly finding life on this planet in places where leading up to finding that life there no scientist thought that there was any chance that life could exist in such extreme conditions. Um, we're finding life deep, deep underground in pockets of water where the pressure is thousands of times what it is on the surface of the planet. We're finding life in the deepest parts of the ocean where you would think, you know, you're two miles from any sunlight. How are you getting energy to survive? NASA found I believe it was a type of algae growing on the outside of the International Space Station. Not, again, not inside, on the outside of the hull. This was an algae colony growing in the vacuum of outer space. So, you know, what we keep finding out is that life can pop up in places where we don't expect it to be able to survive. We're finding evidence that there might possibly be bacterial life on Mars. Uh, a lot of scientists believe uh, that the moon of Jupiter, Enceladus, has an underground ocean that they believe probably could support life. We're, we're going to find life on other planets. Uh, there's simply too many chances for it to have popped up somewhere. We're not alone in the galaxy. Now, if that means that they're traveling here and visiting us and treating us like a reality show, I have no idea. Um, it is a distinct possibility, though. Our planet, in the grand scheme of things, is relatively young, so a lot of these planets are going to have a whole lot more time to have developed intelligent life, and if you've got a civilization that is 50,000 years, 100,000 years ahead of ours, think of if we're still around in 100,000 years, how much our technology will have advanced and the things that we can do, and I don't think that 
interstellar travel in 100,000 years is going to be any big deal. It'll be like running down to Walmart for me now. It'll take 10 minutes to get two quarters of the way across the galaxy. And I definitely think that it's a possibility that there are star-faring species out there. And then the question inevitably turns to, well, how come we haven't seen anybody else? Or how come nobody's found us? It is hard for people to comprehend how big the galaxy is and how empty it is. In about a billion years, if I'm remembering that correctly, um, our galaxy and... God, I'm blanking on the name of the Andromeda Galaxy, I believe. I'm sorry, I, I, had, I didn't write that down, and now I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, but our closest neighboring galaxy, the Milky Way, and again, I think it's the Andromeda Galaxy, are going to collide. Although, collide is not a good term, because the galaxies are so much empty space that there is an extremely high probability that we will just pass through each other and nothing will, will make contact with each other. Um, that's how empty a galaxy is. Uh, when I was in 10th grade in Earth science, we did an experiment to try to show the scale of the, uh, the solar system. And what we did is we based it on 100 yards so we could go out to the football field. There was a math equation we did to scale down each planet and the sun to how big they would be based on a 100-yard solar system. Now, in this model, the sun was about the size of a ping-pong ball, and it was on the goal line. I had Earth. I don't remember exactly how big my Earth was supposed to be. I think it was one-tenth of a millimeter. Uh, so if you can imagine trying to cut a little chunk of clay down to one-tenth of a millimeter and roll it into a ball... Uh, but I basically had something a little smaller than a grain of sand, and I was standing on the 35-yard line. Now, I want you to imagine if the sun is a ping-pong ball and the earth is a grain of sand and you're 35 feet away, think of how empty all that intervening space is. I mean, we think of the sun as this giant thing, and on the scale of something like that, it's, I mean, it's a child's toy, but that's how much empty space is just in our solar system. And then we have got a huge amount of space between our solar system and the next closest in our own galaxy. So you're talking about just huge, vast expanses of space where there's just nothing. And it's not like you can see something the size of the Earth unless you're really close to it. I mean, we can see Mars with the naked eye, but it's this little tiny kind of reddish dot that you can see amongst the stars. It's not, you would think it'd be much bigger than the stars around it just because it's so much closer. But imagine just going through space and trying to see something that tiny when you're not looking for it. I just feel like it's perfectly understandable that if there are spacefaring species in this galaxy, why they haven't stumbled across us. Um, also, we're kind of on the outskirts. We're 23 light years away from Galactic Center, I believe. It's, you know, we're sort of a backwater arm of the galaxy. But with all that said, I have seen a UFO. Um, I would think a lot of people have seen some odd things if they really think about it. And I don't have this big, grand, dramatic story. Uh, but I was driving home one evening. And remember, I grew up in the mountains, so the road that I was on traveled along the valley, which most of the roads in that area do. They follow the valleys. So I didn't have a huge expanse of horizon that I could see. But as I was driving home, I noticed a little dot going across the horizon. And it was moving 
just like I would have expected a commercial plane to be flying, but the reason I could see it was it was kind of glowing. Now, I didn't think anything of that at first, because I'm sure you've all seen this. Um, the sun has set where you are, but there is a commercial airliner that at 30,000 feet is high enough that the sun is still still hitting the plane, and you can see the sun reflecting off the fuselage of the plane. That's what I thought I was looking at. But like I say, it was just moving very slowly, going in a perfectly straight line, just exactly like when you see a jumbo jet going across the horizon during the day. Well, I was just kind of keeping my eye on it off and on as I drove along. And at some point, and I didn't see anything close to it, I don't know why it decided to change direction, uh, but this object did a 180, and the time that it took to make a complete 180 and be going in the opposite direction was literally about a quarter of a second. Um, if you watch a, a fly flying across the room, the way they can swoop around and go back in the opposite direction, that is how quickly that object changed directions. And when it came out of that 180, its speed had doubled. Now, that's all I saw. Um, you know, it moved very quickly out of my line of sight. And, you know, I didn't see up close. I couldn't see aliens through a window. I, I don't know what it was. But I will say, if that was a secret military jet, that change of direction and instantaneous increase in speed was impressive. Again, I don't know what it was. I'm not, wasn't close enough to say, well, it was a saucer or it was a cigar-shaped UFO. All I saw was that little dot, but the way that that thing changed direction and doubled its speed in the blink of an eye, that was not a conventional aircraft. I don't know what it was. If that was ours, I feel sorry for anybody that attacks us because that thing could avoid computer-guided missiles, gunshots. There's nothing that's going to touch that thing other than just by sheer dumb luck. You know, maybe it is a military jet. Maybe it is a very advanced type of aircraft, you know, along with ancient aliens. I also like watching stuff about military history, you know, military advancements. Uh, Modern Marvels was a really good show. But whenever I'm watching those and they're showing something along the lines of we've got a field gun. It's like a howitzer, but it's on tracks and it can move itself around. Uh, but one of the things that this gun could do is it could adjust the velocity of the shell that it shoots. And the reason that is important is because if you had a target two miles away, it could fire one shell at a very steep angle at a high velocity and then fire another shell at a lower angle and lower velocity and then another shell at a lower velocity and a lower angle. And what that gave this gun the ability to do was it could, I think they said it could have six shells from the same gun land on the target at exactly the same time. And then I was watching another show where they had a rifle that had a laser rangefinder on the scope. And if you had somebody that was hiding behind a wall shooting at our soldiers, uh, the scope could get the range of that wall. And then you fired around, not at the wall, just above the wall. And when that shell, let's say the wall was 100 feet away, when that shell traveled 102 feet, it would explode downward. So basically, if somebody was hiding behind a wall, this shell would clear the top of the wall and then explode down behind the wall and take out anybody that was hiding behind there and shooting at our people. And you know, when I'm watching that stuff... What's going through my head is, is if this is the stuff that they have released to the public, 
what do they have that they're not telling us about? Because I know their best stuff is being kept secret. And this is the stuff that they've decided, well, you know, that's a really neat idea, but we're never going to use that. So you can put that on the TV show about uh, military advancements. So maybe what I saw was one of our planes. Um, Again, if it was, damn, that thing can do some amazing things. But the government's reaction to military personnel's reports of UFOs, or or, I'm sorry, UAPs, UAPs, Jesus. See, that's... It's confusing. Why didn't they just use UFO? But their reaction to this stuff strikes me as a little bit off. And I want to tell you one more story uh, before I tie all this together with a little bow on it. Um, And that's the story of Valiant Thor. And the story of Valiant Thor goes like this. In 1957, a man presented himself to the White House. Uh, He called himself Valiant Thor. And he was asking to speak to President Eisenhower. Now, obviously, you can't just walk in on the street and get an appointment with the president. Um, He spoke to the White House press secretary or possibly one of the chief of staffs. I don't remember exactly. Uh, But after meeting with this cabinet member or cabinet level member, again, I don't remember exactly who he was supposed to have talked to the first time, um, his story was compelling enough that he was then taken to speak to President Eisenhower. And he was an advisor uh, to the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the President until 1960, so he was here for three years. Uh, The interesting part of the story is supposedly Valiant Thor was convincing enough to stay as an advisor while saying that he was a representative of a galactic congress, basically, uh, that was worried about the proliferation of nuclear weapons on planet Earth. Now, that would normally be just another uh, UFO conspiracy theory. Um, There are two interesting things about this story, though, that kind of make it stand out to me. Uh, Number one, there are several photographs of the person who's supposed to be this valiant Thor individual speaking with high-level government officials. Sort of just an ordinary-looking guy, a 1960s suit, too much pomade in the hair. Uh, But the reason that I find it interesting that there are pictures that go along with the story, because obviously that that could be pictures of, you know, just an aide that nobody's going to, the general public's not going to have any idea who this aide was in 1958. But the government has never really reacted or made any statements regarding this particular story, as far as I know. And the reason that I find that interesting is even if everything is said is true that this Valiant Thor is an alien disguised to look as a human that came to Earth and advised Eisenhower for three years, even if all that was true, the way that they could kill this story for any but the most hardcore UFO nut job was to simply release a statement saying um, that man worked for the government. He is a covert operative. Valiant Thor was his code name, and his job position and what he was doing for the government is sensitive enough that it's still classified. And that's all they would have to say. Nearly everybody would say, okay, that was a Cold War, I get that. But they they don't say anything about it at all. And again, this isn't just, you know, a story. There's pictures of this guy talking with government officials, so... 
but that's kind of that's kind of my issue with this report and the way the government reacts to pretty much everything. They're just too blasé about UFOs. One of the things that came out in this report was that some of these objects that they're claiming that they don't know where they came from have interacted with our nuclear launch computer systems. Uh, now, I don't know if that means that they hacked it or if they disabled it or whatever, but I just don't see the government treating these unknown objects that are monkeying with our national security computer databases and just kind of say, eh, what are you going to do? You know, they show up every once in a while, they scramble all of our computers and then they fly away again. And it's just, you know, it's like, a, it's like rain on your day off. What are you going to do? If the government did not know what these things were, where they were coming from, what their intentions were, but they knew that they could shut off our nuclear launch computers at a whim. I don't believe that the government would just treat this as, you know, kind of an odd thing that happens every once in a while. I think they would be extremely concerned and really on the ball. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to tell us about it. But the way that they're reacting to all these stories is the way somebody would react if you knew what was going on, but you didn't want anybody else to know that you knew what was going on. All right, guys, that is about all I've got for you today. I'm going to get off here while you still think that I might be a little bit sane and not wrapped in a space blanket in a bunker that I dug myself. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I will talk to you on Friday. And have a good one, everybody. Thank you for sitting with me again. And if you would like to leave me a comment, you can do so at the Facebook page for the Fresh Frozen Southerner. Or you can send me an email at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com. All right, guys. Again, if you're enjoying the show, leave me a like and subscribe. And if you would like to share with a friend, I would certainly appreciate that. All right, guys. Have a good one, and I will talk to you soon.